0: i had to release that scarcity to say well what if there is enough what if i had access to everything and everybody what if i knew that everybody on the planet was on my team even when they don't know it You're listening to the
1: Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with my good girlfriend, Essence senior editor turned author, Sharia Jackson. She says, ladies, you don't have to go hard or go home. We get to go hard and go home. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com where we chase purpose, not money. So excited about today's episode because, as you know, here at Redefining Wealth, we believe that wealth is more than just money and material possessions. Wealth is about well being. And one of my favorite pillars in the six pillars of wealth that we use here is the people pillar. And it's about creating relationships that matter. And so, anytime I have an opportunity, To really unpack what that looks like. How do we create relationships that matter? Not just with others, but even with ourselves, the relationship that we have with ourselves, how we take care of ourselves in this fast paced world where we're all trying to get it. We're all trying to get to the next level, do the next thing, the bigger, the brighter, the better. But then, especially as women, a lot of us are told that we have to go hard or go home. So we battle. The desire to go to the next level in our careers while possibly still just taking good care of ourselves and maintaining healthy relationships. And so as I was on the plane to North Carolina reading my good girlfriend Sharia Jackson's book, Boss Bride, it just really, really, it moved me so much. And we're going to get into that title because I know it throws people into something like Boss Bride. What is that supposed to mean? Don't worry. We tackle that in the interview. But I want you, if you are someone who is looking to, you may be calling it balance right now. I personally kind of stay away from trying to create balance, but I do believe in harmony. And I do believe that, as you heard me say in the episode about grace and ease, that a lot of times we stay away from going after the big goals because we think it's going to bring more stress, more struggle, more strife. At least that's what I've thought a lot of times in the past, and I still struggle with that. And what I'm learning to do is add two words in particular to all of my goals. How do I accomplish X, Y, Z with grace and ease? And I think that by listening to Sharia and reading her book, Boss Bride, it definitely helped me find some more ways that I could add grace and ease into the process of still wanting to be my best. Because as much as I am called to be Reagan's mama and Gerald's wife, I am also very much called to be the money maven. I'm called to the work that I do. And so having to choose between the two has always felt just not right. (laughs) It just hasn't sat right in my spirit. And so anytime that I find resources that help me just navigate this journey more efficiently and more effortlessly, and just with a greater sense of ease, then that's what I want to put in front of you. As we get into these summer months, I have so much great stuff planned. I know a lot of people tend to fall off during the summer Mm -mm -mm. we're ramping it up. (laughs) I have great stuff for you, so make sure that you are subscribed and that you are engaged. Without further ado, let me introduce my girl the right way. Sharia K. Jackson is an international speaker, coach, and Essence Senior Editor, empowering the brand's global audience of 13 million Her informed point of view has been featured on CNN, The CW, ABC News, Fortune, and Time. Sharia is the author of the new book, Boss Bride, the powerful woman's playbook for love and success, and it's coming out this week on St. Martin's Press. Without further ado, my good girlfriend in real life, Sharia Jackson.
0: Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Sharia. Thank you. I am so honored to be here because I'm not just a podcast guest. I'm your real friend. So I'm (laughs) so excited to be here. I'm so proud of you. And shout out to all the fellow wealthy women who tune in like I do because you are always giving us some good gems.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. You have no idea. Like, first of all, every time we get together, it's a good time. It's
0: always a good time. We've had good times all over this country and world. So this is just a continuation. I'm trying to figure out how we've had good times everywhere from
1: Atlanta to Dallas for MegaFest to New York to Disney Dreamers in Orlando. And I ain't connected with you in New York or L.A. We never connect where we live. How is that possible?
0: Cause we some working women and we'd be on the, well, actually I did shout out to your Barnes and Noble signing for your book. It was packed and I came and got my signed copy. So to all the women who haven't purchased Patrice's books, I don't know what you're waiting for. Get all your copies.
1: That's just like your girlfriend. She's going to (laughs) come on your platform and then promote you, ma'am.
0: Listen, I'm proud.
1: (laughs) Well, today is about you because I am so excited about Boss Bride. Like you have done your thing and I am so proud of you and just how intentional this book is.
0: Thank you. You know, it's funny. It's definitely been a labor of love Um, to women like you who have already published books. You do make it look a little bit easier than it was. But I really just set out to write the book that I wanted to read. I had so many career books and I had so many books on relationships, but I hadn't found a book that really talked about how these important areas of our life intersected. And so I Mm -hmm. went out to answer the questions for myself and to share all the lessons I had learned along the way from women like you.
1: But you know what? I have to be honest. I had the wrong idea of what a boss bride actually is. Oh, you know what? We did sit down in New York because that's where you interviewed me after I did like an Essence Live. We Mm -hmm. met up at at that restaurant or something. But I had the wrong idea even after you told me, which goes to the fact that I clearly don't listen sometimes well enough. (laughs) Because Boss Bride is not what I thought it was. And I know right now the listeners are kind of confused probably about what that really means or probably kind of self-selecting or weeding themselves out
0: thinking, okay,
1: well, that doesn't speak to me. Can you break down what a Boss Bride actually is?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So the book is Boss Bride, the Powerful Woman's Playbook for Love and Success. And to your point, you hear the word bride, so you automatically think, oh, this is for a woman who's about to get married and that's that woman is included but it's for every woman in every life stage whether you have been married for 20 years whether you don't want to ever get married whether you are an intern or an executive it's really about a mentality so it's definitely not about one day of your life but it's about how do I shift how I show up every day in my life to make every day one of the best days of my life. So definitely when I pitched the book with my proposal, it was, I was in that space in a relationship where I was, we were talking about getting married, preparing for that step. And I wanted to know how did women who were ambitious, who were passionate at the assignment of being a wife to their life. Now in a TV plot twist, the same day I got the contract from my publisher, St. Martin's Press to write this book, I left the relationship with a man I had been in for years. And so it definitely pushed me to own the fact that I could be a boss bride while going Going through a breakup. And I have to say, I just got one of the most heartwarming messages I could get. I gave my mom a copy on Mother's Day and she texted me and she said, wow, Sharia, I started reading and she was the same way. She's like, I didn't know her. she's been divorced for over 20 years. She's 66 years old. And she said, you know, I saw how I could be a boss prize. So that definitely was confirmation for me that any woman at any point in your life, you can definitely pick up this mentality to feel empowered and feel clear. And it's funny because that word bride is so triggering. And even as I was writing and I'd already, we were working on it. There was a part of me that started to get nervous. Should I change the title? Should it be something where women won't be confused? But I'm like, no, anytime something is triggering you, that means you get to stand firmer in that space. And so, in the first chapter of the book is, yes, you are a boss bride Mm -hmm. to push women to own the fact that you can adapt this mentality and you can own that word for yourself, because I don't want you to wait for somebody else to make vows for you to make vows to you to be the woman that you deserve.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love that the book kind of started with what you were hearing from women, As they were looking to make career advancements, but also that kind of struggle with how do I get to the top of my game here, but also thrive in having a family. And you kind of talked about or touched on some of the different things that women were struggling with as you were asking other women, like what they were experiencing. Can you kind of share some of the feedback you were getting the misperceptions people have about
0: that? Yes, because one of the biggest misconceptions is that your professional life and your personal life are so separate. And what I was finding was a lot of women were encountering some realities that no one had prepared them for. I had women who talked about how one woman, her, she had a manager ask her, hey, we're about to meet with a big client. Can you take your ring off so you look more desirable? I had women who were progressing mm-hmm. faster than their partners and started to get nervous. Will he be uncomfortable with my success? And so there was so much discomfort women were feeling, and they didn't feel like they had spaces or resources that were speaking to how your personal and professional lives directly impact each other. And I was getting that too. And it's funny, you still get the rhetoric. As I've grown professionally, I had a cousin on Christmas say, well, are you, you know, the further you go, will you still meet people going to your level who, who won't be intimidated by you? And the reality is, the further I've gone, the better quality of people that I've met. But definitely there are a lot of women who are trying to navigate and feel, find a space where they feel supported and answer some of these questions. So as I said, I didn't go in this having all the answers. I had some research, but it pushed me to go find the answers for us. And mm-hmm. it is true that hiring managers, I talk about that in chapter five, how you are judged based on your your relationship status at work and hiring managers open up on sort of how they judge you based on a ring or the size of your ring.
1: That is incredible to me.
0: <laughs>
1: that is incredible. <laughs> and I've had people make reference to my ring, but sometimes for me, it kind of works out in the positive way. Like mm-hmm. I think that sometimes because of how I walk into a room or Just the way that I show up, people kind of know, like, don't mess with her.
0: No, <laughs> like, wow, there's a no. whole business. There's a woman who started a company where you can buy a beautiful fake engagement ring for women who aren't married, so that you can a either if they're in a male dominated field where they want to sort of cut off people trying to hit on them, or mm-hmm. if they want to. To again, it's a status symbol it can be where people say, "Oh wow, look at that!" And but the reverse happened; it works out in that favor. I have this crazy story of a woman who worked in PR and she got mm-hmm. a huge engagement ring and. It was in the midst of the recession. She's killing it at work, just got a client on a national daytime show and she comes in and they have layoffs and she's laid off. And her manager calls her later that night to say, yeah, you're doing great work, but basically we figured you would be okay based on your engagement ring. Yes. Did they lie? I read yeah, that. Yeah, they, they did lie. <laughs> lie. And then they. The, she heard from some of her clients who, you know, that they had been, instead of saying they had laid her off, they tried to m- make it like she had left to go be a lady who lunches. And so, yeah, I mean, and legally she, there was no recourse. I mean, sadly, being a woman who has a great engagement ring is not a protected class (laughs) legally (laughs) for discrimination. But it's real.
1: Well, I love that you bring all this together. And I intentionally titled this episode, Go Hard and Go Home. Yes. I really, really like that because, you know, at Redefining Wealth, I am so big on... We have something called the fit pillar where I talk about the fact that yes. we are groomed to hustle, 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 but not necessarily take care of ourselves or take care of the relationships in our lives. And so when I saw go hard and go home on the cover, I was like, yeah, that's it. I want to know how you got to this idea of a lot, giving women permission to not have to choose between the two, but to make both of those things a reality.
0: And It's definitely one of my favorite chapter in the book. And it's something that I really had to own for myself first, because you talked about it. We are conditioned as women to subscribe to scarcity, to believe that we will always have to choose between two things in our life. And that is just a lie we have to disrupt. The word and is one of our secret weapons as women, as a boss By you to always give yourself the option of and. And so to go hard and go home describes the fact that you don't have to feel guilty for being someone who is ambitious and who plays full out. But I had to really define what does it mean to go hard? Because I don't want mm-hmm. you just sitting at somebody else's company slaving for years and not getting the benefit and reaping what you're sowing. And so I had to define that. So go hard means hard actions, Research decisions. So, everything we do, it has to come from our heart. And the more it's centered in who we are and what our soul and hearts desire, the more we really can show up powerfully. And that research decisions is critical because you do not. Have time to waste trying to figure out something that someone else has already figured out. And so it's really, I confess a lot in the book. I talk about being at a company a few years ago and finding out someone who was basically doing an exact role that I was doing was making $20,000 more than me. And what stung so much about that, had I done a research decision, being intentional to go hard strategically, I would have done a better job researching and knowing how much the company was paying for those roles. And so we have to be willing to have more powerful conversations to be more powerful and efficient in what going hard is. And again, after you go hard, you have to go home. You have to replenish yourself. You have to have a space that feeds who you are. That's one of the things I love about your pillars is because you talk about that piece on making sure you don't want to just be financially fit and then you don't have a space that cultivates all of who you are.
1: Yeah, I love that you say. It's making informed choices that give you life. By looking inside first, then out, you know, so it's taking action from the heart, not from ego not from
0: ego. Yeah, because I Mm -hmm. think and I'm pro leaning in. But what are you leaning into? Right. You don't Mm want to spend a decade of your life leaning into the wrong space only to look up and you have lost yourself in the process. And so we're a generation. And the reality is we have the most opportunities of any generation before us, which is in credible, but it also leaves us at a high risk for overwhelm if we don't intentionally make sure that we're taking care of ourselves because it's so easy with the phone. I mean, you're probably listening to this podcast right now on your phone, right? And so you have so much coming at you that if we're not consciously building a support system and, and, a, and a real structure around us, we are so more, more, more vulnerable to overwhelm.
1: Yeah. I love that a part of the going home. You talked about that we have to put as much energy and care into our personal lives as we do into our professional success, and you got me together um, with <laughs> SOS, S.O.S. self-care signs. Like yes. when you know that you are like not taking care of yourself, I have to read some of these piled-up mail, skipped <laughs> meals, no time for working out, undone household chores. Delayed personal grooming right there. I stopped and looked at my nails. I was like, right? Look at, That's always
0: nails.
1: So tell us about the SOS self-care signs. I hope I'm saying it correctly. But no,
0: and it's you know, I'm the editor at heart, so we always try to be a little witty. It is SOS self-care, but when you read it, it has that one S. So you're like, do I say SOS self-care? <laughs> I set you up. That was me. Um, <laughs> and these were common, I found among a lot of women, right? back to that overwhelm, right? These are the signs that I've overextended myself. And for Mm -hmm. women, there are definitely some common Signs that show up for us. Mine, like you, is my nails, because the reality is it's never just a one-off, right? So if you've missed paying a bill, it's a wake-up call that something else is not being tended to in our personal lives because we've overextended ourselves usually in our career. It's not going hard, really going hard if the cost is your personal self. If the cost is who you are as a person, if the cost is your sanity and your security at home. And so that's definitely just a reminder for us all to learn those sort of signs for ourselves so that we really can be better manage ourselves and better manage our time to prioritize our personal life. It was one of the biggest things that the working lives that I talk about in the book or I, I interviewed talked about that we have to plan our personal lives the same way we plan professionally. Because there is this pervasive myth that somehow our personal lives will just take care of themselves. Like the, it'll just mm-hmm. figure itself out. And we have to take some of those same strategies and structure that work professionally into our personal lives. It's one of the things I love about so many of the women who really have figured out how to navigate is that they really put everything on the calendar. They plan Mm -hmm. their date. They know when date night is three months from now. So it's not something that is on the back burner, but something that gets their attention.
1: Absolutely. I know my husband and I are serious about date night. Once my husband and I start making date night intentional Like it just increased, not just the level of our personal intimacy, but it just made us so much more clear on the time that we had to get work done, especially on those date nights, right? Like, because I believe in Parkinson's law, which is basically the time you give yourself to complete a task is the time it's going to take. Mm -hmm. And on date nights, in particular, the days of a date night, we both started to see that we would get so much more done because we were both looking forward to date night and we were not going to interrupt that. So our time became so much more efficient during the day. But I love that you also said in the book, as a boss bride, you will often say no to things you like and people you even like to say yes to something greater. Being willing to give up your good to create space for your great requires trust that better is always coming.
0: I love it. Mm. And that's a that's lesson. Yourself, huh? Mm. And, and, well, I'm just remembering what got me there. Right, that was a lesson I learned the hard way. So it wasn't like I had all this wisdom from doing it right. No, I had wisdom from showing up, looking tired. You know, it's nothing like being tagged on a picture of your tired self to be like, mm, "Did I really need to go to all three nights? Did I have to go?" I was tired of giving my leftovers to the things I loved most. Right, and so I wanted my actions and my words to be in alignment. And so if I I'm saying this is my family or this is important to me. This person is important to me. I want to show up and give them my best instead of giving the things I love, my leftovers. And so we, but it required trust. It required prioritizing and it required owning the fact that you are not going to get a single more second, minute or hour in your day. And so once we own the fact that the opportunities might be infinite, but our time is finite. It pushed me to better own my time, but to realize how powerful my no became because for every woman who's on this, who's listening to this podcast, we know she's got a lot going on. We know that there's a lot of requests that are coming her way because the further you go in your journey, the more access you will get, the more requests Mm -hmm. that will come your way. And so you, your no muscle has to be even stronger because there's so much you could say yes to. And so it definitely was a lesson I learned, but once I really started choosing and trusting myself first, trusting that I'm always where I'm supposed to be, that I'm never missing the party. Even if Beyonce and Jay-Z and the twins were going to be there and I decided (laughs) to stay home, I trust that if I was really supposed to be there, I would be there. so, yeah, that definitely is something so important. It is your, your one of your most powerful weapons as a powerful woman, as a boss bride, is that note.
1: Right. If Blue Ivy was added to that, then we would definitely be there. It's, not, it's nothing <laughs> with all
0: the partners, right? Right. Now, <laughs> you know what I loved
1: was the smart choice Chi Chi. Yes. The smart choice Chi Chi was so good to me because... I do this a lot, but I always love just being able to add different things to the arsenal. And so when I make choices about whether I'm going to say yes or no to something, I do kind of think about, is this in alignment? Will this give me life? But you had some other questions there, like what is the impact in the short term and in the long term? Who will be impacted by my choice? Now I love that because a lot of times we're so busy running ourselves ragged. We don't even see how it impacts the other people around us. And like you said, especially the relationships that matter to us most.
0: Absolutely. We have to be willing to count the cost. Because so often why we overextend ourselves is we haven't counted the cost. We haven't said, what did it cost me to run across town and be here or, or to stay this extra hour at work? What is it costing me? Because once we're able to see on the other side, we'll see how expensive some of our choices becomes. And once your actions become too expensive and not worth it, it really pushes you to reground. And that's why before you even got to that smart choice cheat sheet, it starts the book with having your life plan and getting really clear on why am I? on this planet? What happens if I don't show up? Who's depending on me? My grandkids are counting on me to get it right. And I have been too fortunate, and those women, we know we are so fortunate to be in this time, but it also asks us to be responsible. And so, once I start getting really honest with myself of who was counting on me, it it straightened my spine up. And then it also gave me permission to have fun and be present because the dreams I had for myself started to tell me the woman I get to be in those choices that you talk about. Because when we are lying to ourselves to think, oh, I just have all the time in the world to achieve these goals, then we don't realize the cost of that. And so one of the best gifts I didn't ask for was being diagnosed with cancer when I was 19. I don't wish that on anybody, but it definitely forced me to sober up at a young age to not lie to myself that I have forever to achieve the goals and dreams I have for myself. And so that's one of the best gifts you give yourself is to honor how sacred and special your time is and to be more intentional to those choices. Mm.
1: Girl, I just love you.
0: Okay. I love you. We're yeah. real friends. <laughs> oh but it's gosh. like Once I got clear, like Smart Choice Cheat Sheet, right, because I talk about coming to Patrice's book signing in New York, but I didn't count the cost, right? That was one of those days I, I got there a little bit later than I wanted to. Luckily, I got there. I still got my book signed, but to, it was one of my wake-up calls to say, okay, if I'm saying this is my girl, then how do I continue to tweak how I work? So even from that calendar space, I don't just put the time, like say it's an event, say it's Patrice's next book signing or her conference that's coming, I also build into that the time it takes me to get there. So mm-hmm. then I'm not working till five and I'm supposed to be there at five, right? Because I didn't count mm-hmm. for the 30 minutes or 45 minutes. So I know that I will have to really stop at 4.15 to give myself 10 minutes to primp in the bathroom and then head out.
1: Yeah. We call that setting up your life to support you. That's part of redefining well, too. And we find that so often noble intentions, but no plan for how to actually get there and to do do so with grace and ease. I mean, the stress we put on ourselves calendaring things back to back to back. It's like, do you want to use the restroom? Do you want to eat? (laughs) Like, is there, is there going to be traffic? Mm. What is this back-to-back scheduling? And to your point, count the cost. Like which of these things is most important? Sometimes it's just okay to say no. Absolutely. And I love, you know, I interviewed Mickey Taylor. Yes, yes. My My boo. (laughs) So Mickey kind of talked about that. Like, Some days you just have to be like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't care who's doing what. Like you said, I don't care if Beyonce, Jay-Z, the twins and Blue Ivy are (laughs) going to be there. If my body and my soul and my spirit is weary and needs to rest, Mm -hmm. then that's what's most important. Like running myself into the ground
0: because who wants to be on the picture
1: looking tired? Like Exactly.
0: And nobody <laughs> wants your tired self, right? And we think, oh, and that, that trust piece means trusting that not only am I there where I'm supposed to be, but trusting that if I don't do it, it will still get done. And Ooh. so when we let go, we trust that I trust that my family's good. I trust that if I can't make it, they will still have a good time. And so sometimes our self-importance that, oh, if I don't, it won't robs us of showing up powerfully for the things that actually need us. And so I had to check myself real quick and say, it'll be great without you, And but there are things that only you can do and I need you to better prioritize those things. And Mickey Taylor is definitely, that friend and mentor to me she was that to me I called the same weekend that Disney Dreamers happened this year also got invited to speak at Bumble's pop-up at South by Southwest and so I was trying to navigate those two and feeling like okay how will I do this and I called Mickey like hey and I was wondering if she would help but she just said tell them what you need like if you need to move the workshop like tell them own the fact that you're in contribution, and you are a present, and your presence is a gift, and then figure it out. And all of a sudden, it freed me from just dealing with the circumstances that were in front of me, but versus picking up that and, and what else could work? And how else could I be supported in that Mm -hmm. way to have it turn off, so turn out. So we definitely have to, as women, acknowledge how much power we have, because that's how we lose, is we think we don't have options. We think that it's all on us. And so leaning on my Team and my squad has been essential in my peace of mind, my sanity, and my success.
1: Mm, girl, love me some Miss Mickey. Yes, yeah, she's always dropping the the little truth bombs. Girl, she does things so effortlessly,
0: and with effortlessly. that, just, with that poise, and and then you go, oh. But, you know, that's okay. a woman whose no muscle is strong. Her yes is so powerful because her no is so strong. And so we see those women. She's one of those women who feels like a unicorn, right? We're like, well, how does she do it? But trust me, every woman you see who's really powerful and really centered in who she is, her no is strong and her why is strong. So anytime she's yes. showing up, she's clear on why. And then she's playing for it. So other, she's created a schedule and a system around her to support that success.
1: Yeah, I love it. I think getting deeper into my 30s has really done that for me. And I know I'm just at the beginning, you know, that this is the genesis. But these last several years, which is where Redefining Wealth was birthed from, Mm -hmm. it was really birthed from me being able to take a step back and say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. It just does not align with my why. And I know it's good money. I know it looks good on the outside. I know that there are people who are dying for these opportunities, but not so. It just doesn't align. And one of the questions from the cheat sheet is when I close my eyes and let my spirit guide me, what is the right choice?
0: Mm. Girl, that's it. And you talked about something I want to give you credit for is it requires our expansion often comes with an exit. And so we have to be willing to let go of some things to create space for that great. And you hit on it to have space to serve us the way you serve us with this podcast required you to let go of some things to show up powerfully. Because if you had kept everything you had and tried to layer this on, we would have got your entire self. We don't get your entire self. We get you arrested. And let me give you all the back end is tight, honey. You get reminders about showing up. They tell you what kind of headphones like. It required a level of responsibility and it required trust from you to know that if I let go of what is in front of me and create space for the unseen and unknown, it requires that trust from you to show up. And these are the results that we're so pri- we're privileged to have because of that trust. But that releases everything. So for every woman who's listening, I want you to close your hand for a second. Put, let the nails of your fingers go into your hand. Feel that tightness, right? And then I want you to open up wide and uh, stretch your fingers out and feel the difference. And that next season, that next breakthrough, that next level of success and satisfaction in your life will require you to let go, let go of everything you've had, let go of everything the way it used to be and create space for that new season. Because we can't get it when we're closed. And so I'm so proud of you for that courage it took and trust in yourself and trust in your creator that better is definitely always on the way. Mm. (laughs) Oh, I love you. It's I the. I love way. you. I know. <laughs> I love you. The greatest joy that I have with this
1: podcast is being able to open up the conversations. I mean, we had a twenty-minute conversation before we started, and it <laughs> sounded just like this, right? <laughs> and so, being able to open up to other women, what what this looks like, what this feels like, like being able to introduce my audience to you and to Mickey and Sherry Riley and Marshawn and Brandy and. I love you guys. Like, I just feel so blessed that you are the women that I get to do life with. And it doesn't matter if we hang out twice a year or talk twice a year. Or this Like, whatever it is, whenever we come together, it's always love and encouragement and support. And it's just, man, I just feel so blessed right now in this very second. I had to let it out. I just I couldn't contain it. But... Okay, let me stick to my my question.
0: I received that now, (laughs) and I think that is wealth. That is wealthy. This is what wealthy looks like and feels like because the worldly definition would have you think, I have to, you know, it's true, you go far or fast alone. And so a lot of this culture is fast. We live in a microwave time that tells you get it quick, get it quick. But quick can be lonely and that's not real sustainable wealth. And so it is wealthy to be able to have people who pour in and pour out. But that also has required you to create space and be intentional around cultivating those types of relationships. And so there is nothing more important than the people in your life. Every chapter in the book has the ring. And I say the most important position, a boss bride like you owns is the ring and it is not a piece of jewelry it is like the ringing of your phone who picks up when you call and who can you call because we also were talking about some of the other things like who do we know collectively that to make sure that anybody I know you know and that's for every woman listening go through your phone Who are the most powerful, amazing people you know? And make sure you're keeping cultivating those relationships. And know that there's currency in your circle that you get to go spend and build with your friends. And it's the best feeling ever. Because I'm also on the, in our previous call, I'm talking about some ways we can continue to play with Essence. Again, you came down and joined the Essence panel at MegaFest. And we had known each other a few months then. I just knew that we needed to continue to build as sisters because your light is so powerful. And so it's been, it definitely is the sweetest feeling ever to, to grow with your, your circle.
1: I love the ring. I loved all the reminders kind of throughout the book, the save the dates and just different things, but wait, I'm gonna get to that. Wait, wait, wait. I got, <laughs> I got it. Now i I have to have you tell this story. Uh-oh. Of you're leaving the screening for girls trip and oh. you get the call and I need you to tell us about <laughs> when you got your promotion (laughs) and just that whole little thing, because what I found fascinating about that time in your life is you saying and declaring, like, I already had the promotion because I promoted myself. Girl, you know, I screamed in the, in the airplane. I said, well, what? I'm just
0: laughing. I mean, this is the first time someone has quoted that part of the book to me. So it's, it's different, right? Cause these are real intimate stories that I wrote in my Harlem apartment. So all of a sudden to have it out, it's like, Oh yeah, I did tell all of my business. Thank you for the support and the space to share because you know, I always say a book is not a diary. So it wasn't for me or it wasn't just for me. And so, yes, last year was definitely a pivotal year in my life where I yeah, I'll tell that day. So I go to a screening of the movie Girls Trip last February, before you know, before it came out. So you've all seen it, I'm sure. And I was surprised in the screening. I'm there, and I I hear this voice that sounds familiar, and I see this silhouette that looks familiar, and it's me. And I'm like, oh, what, look at me when the cameo, and what turned out to be one of the biggest. Movies of the Year and Malcolm Lee, the writer and director, was there. And I was coming in and I was ready to reintroduce myself. You know, you, like, you go up, oh, he's like, Hey, Sharia. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Malcolm Lee, who wrote and directed Best Man, my favorite movie coming up, is here. And so that same day, I got it was Valentine's Day as well. So it was the ultimate boss bride day. It's Valentine's Day. I just had my Valentine drop, come over and drop me off a gift before I left work. And I get a text from our um, business manager at Essence, who's like, "Hey, can you come in?" My manager wanted to talk comps, and you and I put it in the book. Da da da. If you hear comps, that means compensation, and they only mm-hmm. want to—they're talking compensation when they're ready to give you some more money. And so, <laughs> February fourteenth, um, two thousand seventeen, I was promoted to senior editor at Essence, and this is ten years after I had graduated from Howard and started off as an assistant, and eleven years since that same February, I started chemotherapy, right? When I was recently diagnosed with cancer. So none of it is lost on me. And all those experiences shaped me into the woman I was at that point. But what you also talked about was as excited as I was for that promotion, I was not surprised because it was something that I had to intentionally prepare and go for. And what also happened in that time, because the magazine industry, like so many industries with technology and with the world speeding up, has gone through its own transformation. And so the industry I entered, like a lot of us, isn't the industry that I'm currently in. And so mm-hmm. throughout that time, there have been changes at the company. At that time, Essence was still um, owned by Time Inc. So there was a lot of shifts happening within that company. And so I, I had survived layoffs and been laid off myself earlier in my career. And so I had definitely been pushing and, and sort of saying, plotting out and having to really create a plan for that next career growth. And so after a year before I had kind of pushed for it and had not gotten that promotion, I said, you know what, I'm not going to wait for someone else to promote me anymore because it wasn't fair to them to give make them all powerful in my life. And it wasn't fair to me to not own the fact that if I was desiring something, I had it within my power to create it. And so that's how you got the book that Patricia and I are discussing because I said, you know what, let me organize and own my skills. Let me take my inventory of who I am in this world and how can I repackage my talents to continue to pursue my purpose. And so we sometimes give workplaces too much power thinking this one person or a manager or a job or a department defines who we are versus really saying to your point, let me promote myself. And so it was definitely a sweet moment and it was exciting. Thank you for the, I haven't talked about that story publicly ever. And so thank you for the <laughs> chance <laughs> to talk yeah. about it because so sometimes we can be so busy. So thank you for giving me a time just to stop and reflect and say that was a dream because for That was definitely something I had dreamed about a decade prior.
1: Yeah. As you know, I wouldn't do the interview until I read the book <laughs> cover to cover because that's what I'd love to do is just pull out some of those hidden things that maybe our PR people or publicists don't put in the write-ups or here are the canned questions to ask everyone. On here, I'm asking like the real from what really stood out to me for my audience. And I really found that to be... A moment of redefining wealth because I'm always talking about chase purpose, not money. And Mm -hmm. so you could have made your whole focus for the year following to just be about the raise, the raise, the promotion, the promotion, like, which sometimes makes people so anxious. And it makes you look kind of desperate that you're not giving off the right vibes. You're not really being your best self. But when you go in another direction and say, let me take care of me, Like basically focus on these pillars. Let me create relationships that matter. Let me set up my life to support me. Let me make sure my faith is in order. You know, I'm believing in something greater. Mm -hmm. And I saw in a different part of the book where you basically are doing all this work and you come to this I guess maybe a realization, or I don't know how it came about. I had a thought, like, I don't know if this happened in therapy or coaching or something, but
0: where you are, like, I am the love of my life. <laughs> yes. Listen, we know that, but it requires you to act like it yeah. because it'd be so easy to be like, you know, this victory of like, Ooh, I overcame. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk about that. Like be clear. I wanted a promotion sooner, I wasn't ready for a day till it came. There wasn't a second before it happened that I was ready. And I'm so grateful it didn't come sooner because having that door not open when I wanted it to open Forced me on the other side of the door to ask myself, who am I? And if I am the love of my life, I am owning the fact that I'm sealed. everything that's happening to me, how will I show up? Because when it, when it didn't come easy, it forced me to remind myself, who am I? So I created an entire deck of all the accomplishments I created while I was within the organization and all the, the things I generated outside of the company. So I had to remind myself who I was. And so sometimes when we're facing a closed door is the best time and space for you to ever get because it pushes you to remember your own purpose. It pushed me. Had it come easier, I don't think I would have been as ambitious to continue to go to get a book deal. And so I don't know that I would be on this podcast had any of the things I wanted come sooner. And so that does require you to be the love of your life. And love is an action. Love is a verb. It is not a Mm -hmm. passive thing. And so it pushes us out of our comfort zone. And so that's one of the things my mom texts me. It's like, oh, wow, like your comfort zone will cost you your dreams if you let it. And so I'm not going to tell you everything that happened. All of my biggest blessings, being able to say I went to Oprah's house, none of that came inside of my comfort zone. Even mm-hmm. doing t- talking about this book is outside of my comfort zone, but that is where my wealth lives, outside yeah. of my comfort zone.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Because you weren't really aware of your self-care yet, like really, really Mm -hmm. setting up (laughs) your mind for the self-care, getting the promotion a lot of times comes with just additional responsibility or additional stress or strife or something. And so when you haven't gotten intentional about that why and started to set up those boundaries, you were going to be teaching people how to treat you at a different level, right? Because you've accepted the money, and now, in some, I'm not saying essence, but I know in a lot of environments out there, you accept more money. In some environments, they feel like they own you now, like absolutely. more than they already did. So
0: absolutely, and it, and it's so important for any. This is we live in America. Well, if you and I know your audience is global, but mm-hmm. definitely corporate is designed to make you feel like it that level of ownership in any company. And so, mm-hmm. if we don't do that work of self, if we don't get clear on who we are and own our power. Somebody is happy to make you feel like they are the the, the, the majority owner in your life. And mm-hmm. so definitely, I think this is a season where we are reshaping what the workforce is. And so much of it is will be us speaking up as women to own our space. And so definitely, it's not just for any woman who's in that space you have to know your value. You have to build that in and design a work experience and a design a relationship within your job to have it be something that's healthy and mutually beneficial. And so that go hard and go home. One of the biggest pieces you talked about, the smart choice checklist is the power of feedback and the power of having more intentional conversations within our workplaces. Because as you said, I, the golden rule has expired. It's not enough to just treat people the way you want to be treated. You right. have to to treat yourself the way you want others to treat you, because people do not treat you the way you treat them. People treat you the way they see you treat yourself. And so mm-hmm. in transparency sake, I started off at Essence as an intern, right? And so I, I was 21 when I first walked through the doors. Now I'm in my mid thirties. And so I've evolved as a woman and a worker at, over the time. And I haven't been here straight through. I worked in PR for a few years, but there definitely has been an opportunity for me to continue as I evolved to have critical conversations within the workplace to create and mold those boundaries to be mutually supportive and beneficial because people will take as much as you offer. So if you don't set the boundary, they're not going to say, you know what, we'll just stop when you stop. No, people will take as much as you're willing to give. And so we have to own the fact that anything that's happening, we've created the atmosphere for that to happen. And so I had to shift myself to shift the atmosphere to say, yes, I could get a promotion and still, share the news that I had a book coming out. And actually this be a win for the company because the better you are is not taking from the company. So you have to be in charge of your narrative. You have to pick up the pen on your own story. And so I've had to be intentional around having conversations that make it clear on my contribution.
1: Mm, That's good. We have something called the earn more money movement for women.
0: Yes. And when you talked
1: about it said, I will earn more.com. And when you talked about kind of making a list of your accomplishments in and outside of the workplace, I have women do a brag binder, too. Mm-hmm. And it's just that reminder of who you are, because sometimes we just forget our brilliance and we yes. forget that it's a blessing to have mm-hmm. us in the spot. It's not to be arrogant or it's not to have some sense of entitlement, but it's that little reminder, you know, that, OK, I'm not at the table because no one else was available. (laughs) I'm here because I actually bring something to the table more than big eyes and an appetite. And so, yeah, absolutely. And we teach people how to treat us and how to view us in the workspace. I love that. Now you brought up Oprah. Mm. (laughs) And you thought, I don't know if you thought I was going to just let you go past uh, your moment with Oprah. I know you talk about that whole experience towards the end of the book. Um, you know, I had a moment with Oprah. I don't yes, know. yes. Go yes. ahead and tell
0: the people, honey.
1: I had my moment. But what I love that you share in the book is that you had kind of missed an opportunity yes. um, to meet Oprah and then how it was full circle. And girl, you talk about, so I want you to share that. But I also need to tell you that out of that section of the book, you talked about creating your crazy eight. Yes. And can you break down the crazy A? I've already started to write mine and mine is also yes. based on the time I'm going to spend with Oprah, but yes. go ahead and tell us how that panned out for you.
0: <laughs> I love it. You know, I love this whole question and I'm, I, you know, the people want to hear more. Don't tease them with your story too now. So I'm going to tag in and then it's like tagging out you in, but absolutely. So it started two summers ago at the Queen Sugar Reception at Essence Festival and it was Oprah's first. Essence Festival, she came, she spoke. I was like in the second row. I was in row eight. I was listen, in row eight. I, You know, she was, <laughs> and I was just so happy to be in the room. We get to the the room, we get to the, the private reception after. She comes, she does some mingle she does the carpet, and I was just happy to be in the room. And I got back to my apartment in Harlem. I looked up on my wall and I only had one like blown up essence cover in my apartment, and it was Oprah. And I was just like, wow. Mm. And I felt spirit say to me, like, you robbed Oprah. And I'm thinking how do you rob a billionaire? And Spears was like, you robbed Oprah of meeting you. And in that moment, I felt so convicted because I was like, oh my God, you were that close and you didn't push yourself to say, let me go introduce myself. I know the publicist on this, like you were that close. And what really stung, Patrice, was that I didn't just rob myself. I robbed my mother. I robbed my aunts in South Carolina. I robbed anyone who knows me of being able to celebrate that moment with me. Mm. And so my shrinking was expensive, right? That comfort cost me sitting on the couch and not getting up and not owning and not being a little uncomfortable to wait in the receiving line, it cost me. And so I said, you know, and you're so fortunate to be that close. I didn't want to insult God. Like, right. If you're in the room, you've earned the right to be there. And that's for all of us in every room. And so I said, I won't let that happen again. So I entered 2017 with the Written on my wall, I will meet Oprah TBD. I had all sort of the big moments of the year I kind of chart out and I just said a TBD. I don't know when, but it's happening. Mm -hmm. And so, fast forward to April, I get a chance to go to the Henrietta Lex, her HBO movie, um, the screening and the after party. So, I go to the screening and I'm I see her on the red carpet, but I'm like, okay, this isn't the moment. I still am a professional journalist. Let me not embarrass myself. (laughs) And I get to the after party and I and I'd had months. This was April, so I'd already worked up what my intro speech was going to be when I met Oprah and so it's fate it's not luck as spirit would have it as God would have it I walked to the back and literally she walked in with just her and the director of the film and so I'm like this is my moment I'm with my friend Alicia Quarles shout out to squad you know I know Alicia of course (laughs) of course and so she was the one I was her plus one and so I go up and I start my little speech to Oprah and she looks at me and she touches both of my cheeks and she's like, you are luminous." And she starts to say something else, but I blacked out because Oprah had touched my face. So (laughs) I wanted Alicia to take a picture. I turn around. She's just starstruck holding our camera. Oprah keeps walking. I didn't get a picture with Oprah, but I was like, Oh yes, I felt so good. I was like, Hmm, I wrote a little Facebook post, get home. And spirit is like, is that all you wanted? Like just to meet Oprah? And then I felt convicted all over again. Right. Because we were unapologetic. Right. And that's what the crazy eight talks about is giving yourself permission to say your biggest dream. And the crazy eight is a like, give eight ways it could happen. Right. So I, I wrote about wanting to meet Oprah in 2017. And then all of a sudden, by giving myself permission to use my creativity to create the life I've dreamed about. Gave me all the ways I could bump into her at Publix. I could have a friend introduce me. I could be invited to Super Soul Sunday. I, could, and I just started writing. Right. Because mm-hmm. so often we are so creative. But sadly, we don't often use our creativity to create our own life. And so oh. we'll use it for everything else. But when I say, oh, how did that happen? Oh, I don't know. No, you do know. What are all the ways your dreams could come true? So also on my list is meeting Michelle Obama. Me too. Right? I started my crazy eight. And what will happen when you start your crazy eight, a lot of times it connects with your squad. So all of a sudden you remember, oh, didn't this person used to work here? Doesn't she know? Didn't I see them in a picture on Instagram? And then it reminds you of all the connections and all the ways it could happen. Because it's so possible. I mean, I went to Ghana last month and- I went to the castle, you know, the castle was such a wrong word to talk about the space where the descend. we, the descendants of of me, I'll speak for myself, the descendant Mm -hmm. of African people who were enslaved in America, the door of no return. And so to see that and to be in that space where they were before they left the continent Obviously it was sobering, but what it also gave me, it made everything I felt was so far away, seem so close. Like, of course you can do me, Oprah. Like we survived, my people left from here and here we are in living, thriving. So of course everything is possible. And so that's what the crazy eight was for me. And let me tell you, I serve a God that can dream bigger than I can because I was grateful to meet Oprah in April of last year, but God wanted to wow me even further. So last October, I had hit up one of my friends who works on the PR team at OWN and told her I was coming out to LA. She wasn't able to meet when I was in town in September. I said, well, I'll be back in October. So if you can meet then, I'd love to meet up. And this is where it's so critical to get clear on your nose so you can have a powerful yes. Because I used to be so busy, I did not make time. Time to spend time. Patrice will tell you the times I've come to LA and haven't slowed down enough to be able to meet up with people. And so I've been working to create more space in my calendar to have quality time with quality people. And so that was just a simple email. So she happens to hit me up a few weeks later. Didn't you say you'll be in town around October 15th? I said yeah. She said, well, actually, Oprah has a new book coming out. She's having a Wisdoms of Sunday brunch at her house. Would you possibly be able to attend? what girl oprah's having brunch at her house and but also it was the same day as one of my best friends my sister friend's wedding so i was like i don't know let me look at the dates it worked out to where the brunch was in the morning her wedding was in the evening and so i was able to go to oprah's home right and that was only this was less than a year after I sat on that couch and told myself, I won't rob myself again. And this time I got my picture too. And I sent it to all my aunts because I didn't just go, I didn't just get myself there a and B, anytime you're in the room, you're not in the room just for you. And so when I shrank that summer before, and it was, it stung, it Mm -hmm. stung. I needed to feel what that felt like so that I would never have to feel like that again. I would never feel like, Oh my gosh, I have squandered the blessing that has been placed in my hands. That's what the crazy eight is to give yourself permission. How good could it be, right? right. And we don't want to just meet Michelle Obama. What do you no, really? want Oh, girl, do want to Michelle her and I. Are gonna work I want to work together. with her college program. I want to like. And so all of a sudden, when you start really giving yourself permission, because it's there. We just often don't give ourselves permission to really dream that it could be so better. And the problem with that is we only often can achieve what we can see. Because I had never said out of my mouth I wanted to meet Oprah, when the opportunity presented itself, I could not receive it. That felt too big for me.
1: You know what I really love most about your Oprah story is that you were intentional the second time around. Like a lot of people would stay and beat up and say, oh, man, I blew it. Or they would have just been satisfied with, hey, I took a picture. But you actually started to rehearse your intro before you even knew you would have an opportunity (laughs) to meet her again, and I love that. But that's how we have to show up. That's stay ready so you don't have to get ready because had not been rehearsing. It's so overwhelming when you. And it's not because it's. I want to be clear. It's not because we think Oprah is Jesus. You know, it's not that. But when you are in a space with someone who has such an anointing on their life, mm-hmm. it is a very, like, I don't fall out for much. I've met Beyonce. I've met a lot of different people. I've, I've met Oprah twice, but it's mm-hmm. still just this, like, the anointing is so big. You just want to show reverence and respect mm-hmm. the space mm-hmm. and also not embarrass yourself in the process. It's
0: like you got, you got one shot. So when you open your mouth, be great. Be great. Own the divine inside of you. I don't think that Sharia is so great that, oh yeah, no. But do I own the fact that the God that created me and created waterfalls and created rainbows, created every person on this planet? Yes. And so mm-hmm. that trust in myself, the trust that there is a force bigger than me that is rooting for me, gave me the space to own that, right? Because you're right. Beyond, Oprah is not Jesus. She's a human being too. And so what this experience has also pushed me is to push me to dream bigger, to push me to give myself permission to how good can you stand it? Because a lot of times we, we don't hear enough about, how dizzying and overwhelming success can be. We talk about how bad stress is, but success can be just as scary and overwhelming as it not coming true. What happens Mm -hmm. if it does happen? What happens if they do call back? And often that is what is robbing us because it is outside of our comfort zone. Our dreams live outside of our comfort zone. So they sound exciting, but it's also like, oh my gosh, that is something that is so different. (laughs) But the more I started to really own my own internal divine, the fact that God loves me and lives in me and that there is a unique calling and assignment that is just mine, that I am so loved, that I am so protected, that I am so provided for, I can start to see it. But that requires a whole lot of trust. And for years of my life, I did not have access to meeting an Oprah because I did not have access to trust. Anything that is robbing you of trusting that the best is on its way will rob you. And so that was me. I had baggage from my dad leaving when I was growing up. I had baggage from my health diagnosis and going through that. And so I had to work on healing my relationships with trust, trusting that I was enough, that there was enough for me in this life because I'm a black woman in America. We are conditioned to believe there's not enough for me. And so I had to release that scarcity to say, well, what if there is enough? What if I had access to everything and everybody? What if I knew that everybody on the planet was on my team, even when they don't know it? And so those are the types yes. of thoughts that I had to give myself access to bigger. And you talked about it earlier. Was it therapy? Was it coaching? It was all those things. It was all those resources. I really allow myself to be supported so the best version of me could show up and enter the world.
1: Mm. oh girl you got a lot of folks getting ready to do their crazy eight. <laughs> oh,
0: Man. I love it Sorry. if you do a crazy oh. eight please send it send it Send, oh, send, send yeah I would love to see it because oh, yes. it was freeing for me I did my first my first one was actually from Michelle Obama mm-hmm. because what it does it actually it frees you but it also says oh wow it is it's possible because I had made it to where Michelle Obama was so outside of my reach. And then I said, well, what if, like, how could you have met Michelle Obama? And I started writing. I was like, oh, this person used to work here and this person. And I could just sign up for a tour. And I was like, oh, wow, it's doable. <laughs> it's doable. And whatever it is, I mean, literally even say you want to go to Mars or you want to go out of space. There's lotteries you can enter, like everything. What if you knew everything was possible?
1: Wow. Wow. Okay, girl, this is good. I know folks will be rewinding, replaying.
0: This I love it. I love y'all. And the thing <laughs> is, I don't, that's why I'm very conscious to not make it all hokey because I'm a real girl, right? I live in mm-hmm. Harlem. I'm from Atlanta. I've faced my own adversity. And it's because of those things that's made me unapologetic to play full out because life is going to keep doing what it's doing. I'm not going to waste the time I do have not playing full out. And not giving myself permission to say, how good could I stand it? Mm.
1: (sighs) Okay. So at the end of every episode, I ask a few questions. Mm -hmm. They're called the redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. So I'm going to ask you some questions and tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. How do you define success?
0: I define success as peace and prosperity.
1: Mm. You can tell this, my friend. Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less?
0: I define wealth as health, wholeness, and legacy.
1: Yes. Ooh. Okay. What's well, one book that has redefined how you see wealth? And you don't have to say me. because I love
0: you. It's a, they better buy your book and three copies for your friends because you want them to be wealthy too. Okay. <laughs> but I also love, in addition, one of my favorites is Self-Wealth for Women by Sonia Booker. I love the stories in there.
1: I love her. I think we actually, were you there too? I think she and I spoke at the same conference in Florida a couple years ago. So I have to get her on. That's perfect. Yes, I love Sonia Booker. Go. She's sweet. Okay. Now my, you're going to fill in the blank. My name is And then you say, for me, the truth about wealth is.
0: Mm. My name is Sharia Jackson. And the truth about wealth is, it is so much more than money. It is about really you being, spending time doing what you love with the people you love, I love it. I love it, Sharia. You have blessed us. This- you have blessed oh. me. I'm like, oh, you got me all reflective and feeling good <laughs> in my feelings. And I'm like, I feel, I'm about to do another crazy eight. It's time. It's time. Okay, can we
1: swap? Can I do? Ooh. Can I do mine and send it to you? I'm gonna just Please. text it to
0: you. Yes. And you text me. It feels so freeing. I'm like, what else do I want? I really, I'm going to do it for my property in Harlem because I'm playing and it's time to buy. Oh, well, come on. Come on. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm going to send you one. You send me one. I'm so excited about that. I'm really excited about the freedom to just dream and use the creativity, like you said, to create what's next, to create my life. And I have to tell you again, I am so proud of you. This mm-hmm. book is going to bless. So many women and by extension of that, their families and their children's children and everyone they come into contact with, because this idea of go hard and go home, Mm. you put in that and is going to set so many women free. And I am just so honored that I can text you when I ring you, you actually ring back. Now, you might be on a flight to Africa and take a while, but you know what? You do eventually. (laughs) 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 You do eventually call back, and I love you. I'm so grateful for you're my that. real friend, like uh, for yeah, real. A girl. And I'm grateful for the many meals and the many times mm-hmm. of fun that we've had all over the country. And I just look forward to so much more. I look forward to living out these crazy eights with you.
0: You know, yes. So. Thank you, and thank you for your commitment to serve women. These are needed spaces and needed conversations. And I'm grateful to be a part of the redefining wealth family, and it is an honor to be on the other side. I love you, girl. Love you. And to the Redefining Wealth women, good to see you. (laughs) And head to Boss Bride. You can get a free bonus chapter of the book. Oh, good. And you can get a lot of the cheat sheets and all that stuff. Oh, yes. As of when the book comes out on June 5th, every person who buys the book can get audio, including when I interviewed Oprah in her backyard. So if you want to hear what Oprah said, when she said to me, I love that question and hear me ask a question and her answer, which is incredible. It's about all the trees she has in her backyard and how Mm -hmm. she hasn't lost herself. So that is a treat for every woman who purchases the book. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. I
1: love you, girl. I love you. To
0: be continued.
1: To be continued. Love you. Oh My goodness, was that not amazing? Uh, I told you to take notes. I told you to buckle up. Sharia is absolutely amazing. And I meant what I said. It is such a blessing to get to do life with women like this. And I really do pray that men and women who listen to this podcast, that you have these types of relationships in your life. And that if you don't, you become intentional about creating them. And it's not about having someone you know, be your best friend and you talk to them every day. But boy, when you need someone to pour into you or when you need someone just to be able to watch someone you know, and you know some of their background, you know some of their history, you know some of their struggles, and yet they push through and they're resilient enough to still use their experience to be a blessing for others. That's all we want. No one is looking for perfection. I'm not looking for perfection in myself or in anyone else around me, but I am looking For people who push through and in spite of what life throws at them, they just continue, continue to get back up and share best practices and be a blessing to all of us. So shout out to my girl. Boss Bride is amazing. It really is. Now you get what the title means. We're all a Boss Bride. We get to bring our enthusiasm to the marketplace and be a boss while doing it. But we also get to take care of ourselves. And that's the big thing that I want you to take away. Look for those SOS emergency signs that you need to take care of yourself. Uh, Do the crazy eight exercise, like really take into consideration what she shares. The exercises throughout the book are amazing. Pick up a copy. There's a link to it in the show notes. And make sure you rate and review and share with Sharia. She's at Sharia in social media. Share with her some of your aha moments from this podcast and tell her that I sent you, okay? My mission here is really simple. It's to help you live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. I'll talk to you later.